0: Welcome to Episode 8 of Talk Through It. I'm your host, Sam Hale. You've probably noticed by now that there's not a lot of fanfare to the episode. We didn't come in with a fancy intro clip or any sort of like music. It feels really weird to put that stuff in an episode about what we're going to talk about today in general, especially with what's going on right now in the world, in our country specifically, that being the United States. This is largely going to be a very raw episode. Uh, I did one of these before, where I just kind of talked for a little while uh, back when COVID nineteen was first taking over, uh, talking about media and things. But so this is going to be a little bit more personal. Uh, as I record this at about two thirty in the morning uh, on Thursday, I guess Wednesday going into Thursday for context. So if it's if it's not up to the same standard you're used to, I do apologize. Uh, it's just there's a lot happening right now. and and I want to talk about it very frankly uh, from one place to another and then I want to kind of tie that in to exactly what we're dealing with right now. Uh, It's going to be very minimally edited. In fact, it's probably going to be one take for the most part. So what you're hearing is going to be safe for probably cutting off the front and the back a just straightforward thought and general just stream of conscious of what I'm thinking at this very moment. Obviously right now, Our country is extremely in turmoil. I guess you could argue it always kind of is, but right now it's very evident. The flames have been lit quite literally in some cases as people peacefully protest to try and take back the rights of black people as they try to reverse the culture of police brutality, as they try to reverse decades and centuries of oppression. And the people that are out there fighting for it, that are out there making their voices heard, trying to affect change. My highest respect goes to them because it is so difficult what they're trying to do. I mean, we've seen peaceful protests all the way back to the Civil Rights Movement in the 60s, and look how long it took for the Civil Rights Act to finally become legislation. And despite a a bill called the Civil Rights Act being passed, there's still so far we have to walk in general, uh, so far that it seems almost impossible to comprehend. In certain ways and that doesn't deter people and that's remarkable that it's an incredible burden for people of color in general to bear for black people specifically to bear and yet they do it every day and i can't imagine that i i can't imagine what that must feel like uh, just because i can't i'm a 28 year old white man from texas that's not something that while i can empathize the best that i can and i do attempt that It's just not something that I can fully comprehend because the likelihood of me being profiled for my skin color, being rejected by jobs or unfairly stopped by police or, heaven's worse, abused or even killed by police, it can certainly happen because the culture around policing is very toxic and it's turned into almost a paramilitary activity where people, all they see is nails and their hammers that they've been given military-grade equipment and everything they could possibly want, a surplus from things like 9-11 and other situations. They've been trained to act like a military force. And so naturally, we shouldn't be surprised when that comes to pass. But I'm, not, I'm probably never going to experience that. But what got me thinking tonight about this in general in a different way uh, was the comments from Drew Brees about the flag. Uh, that's been a firestorm on Twitter today. As we record this all day, we've seen athletes speaking out and calling him out and, and speaking to how flawed his logic is about his interpretation of protesting and the flag and how that all works. Of course, if you're not familiar, probably the briefest summary I can do is that he was asked on, he being Drew Brees on a Yahoo Finance show, about the protest and about the flag and about Kaepernick and all these things as we rehash these discussions almost four years later. And he basically said that I will never tolerate a protest of the flag, disrespect of the flag, and then went on a diatribe about his grandfathers who fought for it. And and there's just the generic, we've heard this a million times. We've heard it a million times from Drew Brees, taking the very patriotic quote unquote view of this and and taking just a very simplified, uh, unthoughtful view of it a very selfish view of it in a certain way or more specifically i should say maybe a more myopic view of it thinking about it from just how he believes and not how other people might believe it at the same time and that's a very popular way to look at it in a certain way you know that protesting america or protesting its law enforcement can be anti-american in a certain sense that it's lawless and that we should respect these officers. We should respect our troops by, by example. And that's kind of what brought me to telling a story I don't think I've told in public before. Partially because it's not mine to tell. But I feel like it's important to tell you now because I want to kind of demonstrate what this country can be and what it has the potential to be, what it already has been, And I'm kind of rambling now, but let me just go ahead and start. So I have two grandfathers myself. Drew Brees brought this up in his speech. Uh, I got to know one of them, uh, Raymond Honeycutt. He was my maternal grandfather on my mom's side, obviously. Uh, He was a Marine in World War II. And he passed away due to Alzheimer's probably 10 plus years ago. Uh, I was 16, so that probably makes it closer to 12 years ago, actually. Uh, December 18th. It would have been December 18th, 2000, I guess 2008 sounds about right. Uh, I know it was December 18th because it was my father's birthday as well. But he was a Marine and all in all a good man. Uh, there's probably the likelihood that there's things about him that I didn't know. Uh, based on his general belief system, things that I've heard, there may be cases where his views may have been closer to Drew Breeze's. but on the whole, the man that I knew was very kind and very sweet and was all the things that I would hope for to be in a person myself. I think about him a lot. But that's not the man I want to tell you about. In fact, the man that I'm going to tell you about is a man I've never known. Uh, my other grandfather, my paternal grandfather, whose blood and name I share, is a man named Leslie Hale. And he was married to my grandmother. They had two children, my father and his brother. And my grandfather, Leslie Hale, served in the Air Force during Vietnam. Some of you who are more politically-minded and more history-minded may know where this is going at the moment. But one of the things that my father dealt with in Vietnam was Agent Orange. And for those of you who aren't aware of what Agent Orange is and don't want to Google it, Agent Orange was billed by the United States government as a pesticide. It was used in the Vietnam War to deforest Vietnam, to drive out the Vietnamese forces in an attempt at battle superiority. Uh, It was incredibly toxic. Despite the United States telling everyone that would listen in the 60s and 70s, no, it's not. Uh, the United States of America lied to its citizens. It lied to its servicemen. It lied to just about everyone that would listen about what Agent Orange was, how dangerous it was, and everything about it. Uh, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be, please, if you know the the context of this, correct me. Uh, one person involved in the United States government at one point said that Agent Orange was so safe you could drink it. Uh, that seems absurd after I tell you the rest of the story. But anyway, my grandfather, Leslie Hale, in the Air Force, dealt with Agent Orange. He was charged with being in, washing it off planes, of helping load it onto planes. He was in direct contact with it constantly during his tenure overseas in Vietnam. He couldn't avoid it. In fact, my father tells me the story how uh, his father would tell him that most guys would... Wash off planes in Agent Or with Agent Orange on them, without shirts on, without any sort of protective equipment. Uh, the concept of protective equipment now is a very big discussion with COVID nineteen. But in the, the jungles of Vietnam, where it would be very humid, and very hot, uh, often servicemen, airmen would just wash off planes without a mask, without a, without even a shirt. So they do their service. Vietnam happens. Not here to relitigate Vietnam. We know it was a colossal of failure, largely. And about 10 years after Vietnam ends, all these servicemen in my grandfather's platoon, including himself, start to come down with a very aggressive form of cancer, multiple tumors, and there's no real explanation for it at this point in 1982. It just starts happening. It's a plague of a cancer. And eventually, in 1982, my grandfather, who I never met, he would die 10 years before I was born, passed away of this cancer, left behind his two sons and his widow. And, sorry. It's hard to say the rest, all of it, really. Like, I'm trying my best to kind of stay composed. And I do have an end game here, but my father, who has always been interested in our family history, did the best he could to get medical records for his father, my grandfather, to understand what happened. And to say that he was inhibited and prohibited to do so at just about any given time was an understatement. Uh, when he would contact the Veterans Association, the department, you know. The, the Secretary of the Air Force, these, these bases that he served at, he being Leslie Hale, my grandfather, uh, trying to get these medical records, just trying to get any records. But mainly the medical records is the part that I want to focus on because when he would get the medical records, they were largely redacted. And they wouldn't, you know, in addition to it taking years to find even that, the United States of America largely did whatever they could to cover up what we know now that Agent Orange killed countless servicemen. Not only did it kill them, though, they d- they died without knowing that they were going to die because of it. I mean, sure, plenty of servicemen died in Vietnam, but the government, the armed forces, everyone involved that had a hand in Agent Orange being developed killed my grandfather because they lied to him and said it was fine. You, can do, you don't have to worry about it. It's as healthy as can be. You can drink it. Literally, you can drink it. Something that gave you ravenous, aggressive cancer. Now, how does this tie in exactly to what any of this is happening right now? Well, put it this way, if troops, servicemen, the, the fighting men and women of the armed services are theoretically supposed to deserve our highest respect, if, they're, if they are heroes, if we are truly here to treat them as heroes. And I'm not necessarily saying you should or shouldn't. I'm talking to this purely from just the accepted archetype that American society presents, the way that we're supposed to do it. Then America lied to heroes when they needed to know the most. And then not only participated in their act of death, that, without, that if the United States government, the United States military had taken precaution and had told these men and women, mainly men, this is dangerous, you need to take precaution, or had just never used it in the first place, which would be the preferable option. But let's just say there was something that could have been done, some sort of precaution to take, to where these people could have used this dangerous, dangerous chemical, but been okay. But they didn't. And then when they didn't, and the consequences came back, and it killed servicemen, People who had laid down their lives, who had volunteered to die for the country that they served. They would die for the country they served. They just didn't die on a battlefield. They died in military hospitals. They died suffering. If they're willing to do that to people that they allegedly value, that they say are the greatest patriots of our time, that are willing to strap on the uniform and serve their country, act as an envoy, as a representation, an avatar of the United States through their armed forces, What do you think this country is willing to do to people that for almost 400 years, in fact, over 400 years, if you're so inclined to believe the British colonists of 1619 predate, well, I mean, they do predate, but if they are counted as the first American citizens bringing slaves over to the original colonies, think about what the country that is willing to not only kill, but then hide the evidence of killing servicemen 40, 50 years ago, will do to a group of people that they started out oppressing 400 plus years ago. I can't put it much plainer than that. So the idea that if you're still out there that says, well, how is this possible? It's just a mirage. It's just not real. Whatever your argument are is to the idea against what is happening, what these people are fighting for, I, I can't really justify it to you outside of the story I've told you. I didn't get to meet somebody that is my direct family because of these lies, because of these deceit, because of this outright villainous behavior. And what's scary is my story is a mild one really because I can't imagine what the family of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor feel right now. Families like the Trayvon Martin family Think about all the people who have passed away at the hands of police brutality. You know, if you just want to limit it to black people, you can make a very good case. If you want to go out and expand it to all races, you can even do quite more with that. But I need you all, if you're listening to this and you think that this is not real, and if you think that there's nothing happening here that you need to concern yourself with, that systemic change is not needed, that vast sweeping reforms are not needed, that again, I would say if America is willing to lie to, kill, and then cover up the murder of its heroes, of the people that it calls its heroes, what would it do to people? What will it continue to do to people? What is it willing to do to people that for four centuries it's considered villains? Now, I'm going to sit here and say I don't have answers. I'm a, I'm a radio blogger media type. And maybe I'm smart enough to come up with answers, but I'll admit to y'all, I don't have them. My goal at this moment is just to try to be the best ally that I can be. And I'll probably fail at that some. Because it's not easy and it's not supposed to be fun, but I'm going to do the best that I can. But what I would implore to you today is that if you're not sure, listen. Listen to what these protesters are saying in the streets. Listen to what these people want you to hear because they're saying it loud they're saying it every single day and they a lot of them have been saying it for years and decades and some in some cases even centuries the echoes of protests of the past don't just go away we know what happened during the civil rights movement we know about slave uprisings in the 1800s these goals are largely the same we've just largely changed how they look we've gone from plantation owners to abusive police officers from trying to go through reconstruction to now redlining policies and opinions have been in place forever, And if these people who are willing to risk arrest risk, physical harm, risk death to fight that power to try and reverse and get back even a little bit of ground peacefully, then I can't support them enough in that. And, you know, we've seen, for instance, in L.A. today, it was announced that the city council president is going to look at defunding part of the, the L.A. police department and take that money and put it back into inner city communities to help try to equalize the gap there. We even saw the arrest of Derek Chauvin and three other officers for the murder of George Floyd. We saw the attorney general of Minnesota, Keith Ellison, upgrade those charges after they were initially third degree murder for, for now former officer Chauvin. And I'm not saying that I necessarily support violent protest. I would much prefer, and I have to imagine that I'm in the the vast majority, that when these peaceful protesters marched and they did it effectively, like most of them are doing, like 99.9% of them are doing, I would like to think that if their voices were heard and changes came from that, we wouldn't have incidents like looting. We wouldn't need them because... That's unnecessary on a certain level, at least in in theory. But yet, it seems like, unfortunately, this country only understands violence as an answer, as a response to violence. Because make no mistake, if you've watched the video of George Floyd, that is inherently violence. It is state-sponsored violence. So it's not surprising that people met that with violence. And it's also not surprising that violence got the answer that they were looking for. It's unfortunate that it came to that. I will grant you. And I also, a big hearty fuck you to people who are using this as an opportunity to try to frame these protests as riots. If you're the white supremacist groups that Minnesota has cracked down on, if you're the so-called boogie boys that believe there's going to be this second civil war and you're using this to try to defray and disarm the message of black protesters, of any protesters in general, but specifically these black protesters risking their lives, then please, and I mean this as sincerely as I possibly can, go straight to hell. That is as, as honest as I can say it. If you're co-opting the cause at all, then please go straight to hell. But I, I'm sure there's more I could say But I don't want to take up too much time, mainly because there are so many better voices out there who are saying more things, that have more plans, that are doing more things than I could possibly imagine. And I hope those people succeed. I hope I can help them succeed in whatever small way that I can. And that should be the goal for all of us to understand that this is a real situation and that the people behind it, the people that are being protested, the police, the government, the military, all these things that have had power will continue to have power they're not going to react favorably to it because you are protesting them and of course they're going to react poorly because they've had that power for so long but if you're listening and you can do it however you can help if it be it protest be it voting uh even though voting as we can spend even more time on uh is is a bit of a uh, a shallow proposition in certain ways when you consider that between gerrymandering and voter suppression and active attempts by one political party to rig the vote and to make it to where their caucus and their gr- voting groups are have it easier to vote while others do not and the utter incompetence of the other group who just kind of looks at it and thinks this is a west wing episode that we can kumbaya and come together and fix that, when in reality this is a cutthroat political game. One side has decided they want to win at all costs, legal, illegal, ethical, unethical, moral, immoral, they don't care. They're all about the win. And the other side of this has decided that they're content to let them do that because they think that they can negotiate their way out of this, when the other side has shown that diplomacy is a farce to them. So you should vote, but understand that voting is only going to do but so much and that there's plenty of people that aren't going to be able to vote in November or in any given time uh, because the system doesn't want them to vote. And again, if you're not sure that there's a problem, uh, actively look at large swaths of people, of Supreme Courts, of governors, of senators, of congressmen, of state representatives, of even mayors and local municipality people, attorney generals or attorneys general, who are doing their best to keep people from voting fairly, from everyone voting, who are enacting archaic laws to do so. Like, this rot is everywhere. And you can either ignore it because it, does it because it doesn't affect you. You can say that it's not real because a TV news pundit or a Twitter account told you. Or you can do the adult thing and look around and see that throughout history it has been that case. Throughout history, it has gone on, and unless change happens now, it will continue to go on, because here's a spoiler alert. Eventually, we're going to stop protesting now. It may be in weeks, it may be in days, I don't know. But if the protests stop, and they will, and change doesn't happen, which it probably won't, then in some indiscriminate amount of time, in some indeterminate amount of time, someone else will lose their life. Because of police brutality, because somebody else looked the other way, because somebody else used their power for bad, because they took their state-sponsored violence and inflicted it on someone that didn't deserve it. And we'll see another George Floyd, another Eric Garner, another Trayvon Martin, another Breonna Taylor. Uh, just go down the list. There's, there's thousands, if not tens of hundreds of thousands. And we'll do this all over again because the voices protesting will want the things that they deserve which is fairness and, and to have their you know have the the foot and the, the body of the oppressor literally off their neck but then we'll have more riots and then we'll just go on to the place of getting into an echo chamber where we talk about property destruction and we lose the narrative and we get cable news people yelling at each other and then those protests will stop and likely nothing will get done and we'll just keep doing this all over again so if you can affect the change that you want to see, if you can help the people that are trying to get it monetarily, policy-wise, whatever you can do. But the, the time truly is now, it, it kind of always has been in this way, but the time truly is now to decide where you're at on this because there's really no half measures anymore. Either you are or you're not either you're with the cause or you're against it at this moment. And if you're with it, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect with it. But it means that you are with it. and You understand and you're going to do your best. And if you're not with it, and you still look at this and go, yeah, but, I can't help you much. Because again, I live with the memory that my grandfather was killed by the U.S. military because of their either at best incompetence or at worst malicious lying to serve a war that didn't end up actually changing anything, a losing effort that just wasted money, wasted young American lives, wasted countless Vietnamese lives for what ended up being nothing. And again, if our supposed heroes, those who go overseas to war, those who serve and wear the colors of the United States, of the same flag that Drew Brees says he cries when he looks at, if the United States government and those within it can't respect those people and can't not kill those people, what chance do the oppressed of 400 plus years have if we don't speak up and we don't try to make it happen now. That's what I've got for you. Uh, In the show notes, I'll be sure to link to places that are doing good work that you can donate to, that you can volunteer for, that are doing the things that need to be done. I will try to amplify those the best that I can. I don't have them off the top as I record here at three in the morning, but I do want to make sure that those are available to you. If you go in the episode description, you'll be able to see them. Um, until then, until next week, hopefully we'll have something else to talk about, but if not, we'll talk about this again, because it is important and there's no reason not to, but until then, I've been Sam Hale. I thank you for listening. Uh, and again, be on the right side of history, be an ally, do the right thing because it matters to so many people for so many people. It is truly life and death.